0: The following program is a podcast1.com production.
1: So glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. On the web, Clark.com. You want deals? Clarkdeals.com. Coming up in 20 minutes. What's the deal with all these scare things going on on the web and videos on YouTube saying that your ability to save for your future is in danger because of the federal government? I've had calls about it. I want to make sure you know in today's carcrageous moment what you should put on Ignore. And a half hour from now, as we try to figure out how we're going to reform health care in the country, there's an idea percolating in the state of Florida I wanted to share with you, let you know the kind of things that may be choices that you have to make in the not-too-distant future. Speaking of choices, most of us, if we rent a car, it's very rare, maybe a couple times a year if, And so when you get to the rental counter, you're hit with a bunch of choices, a bunch of options, and the people behind the counter are usually trained to sell you a whole bunch of add-on junk when you go to rent a car. And what you don't know can hurt you. Let me tell you the newest thing that the car rental companies have come up with is a junk fee. Roadside assistance typically billed to you at an extra five or six dollars a day you're told hey if the rental car breaks down and you don't buy this from us you're just going to be stranded and creating all kinds of fear in you just a junk fee and when they start trying to pitch that one to you no way no way do you accept that Okay, how about the one, that's the, the one that's the most confusing of all called CDW, LDW, or PDW for a collision damage waiver, loss damage waiver, physical damage waiver. It's where they say, you know, regardless of fault, if anything happens to this car, even if it's not your fault, you're responsible for it. And for just blah, blah, blah a day, usually about $24 a day, You won't have to worry about it. You'll have peace of mind. Get peace of mind before you leave home. Call your insurer and see if you're covered for temporary use of a rental car. Virtually every auto insurer does that. And then the twofer is almost certainly you have a credit card that provides at a minimum secondary coverage to what your own auto insurer offers. So you don't need the $24 a day charge from the car rental agency as long as you've done your homework and you know you're covered. There are now a handful of credit cards that act as primary. Because, see, when you use a credit card normally that provides collision coverage, it's secondary to your own automobile insurance. But now several issuers stand as primary. You don't even involve your own automobile insurer, the damage is covered by your credit card issuer as long as you use it when you rent the car. You'll be asked about fuel options. And they very cleverly try to convince you to prepay for fuel at a much lower price per gallon than you could buy it locally. Rip off, rip off, rip off, because it means whatever gas you leave in the vehicle, you have paid for. You're much better off filling the vehicle yourself before you turn it back in. There are about a half dozen other of these crazy charges that you may get hit with. The thing for you to do, though, is when you reserve a car at the website of the car rental agency, you'll be able to see, there's a section where you can see all the add-on charges. You're prepared for what things you're going to be asked about before you get to the car rental counter. You can already be informed. You can already have talked to your own automobile insurer and avoid paying for a bunch of crazy extras. And then when you get to your car, inspect it thoroughly. Any dents or dings, take pictures of them. Before you leave, have it noted on your damage slip that goes with the car rental before you leave the rental plaza. And when you return... You know, with a smartphone, pictures don't cost you anything. Take pictures of the vehicle and its condition when you return it. So if later they try to say you damaged the vehicle, you can say, No, I got my pictures. Protect yourself. And when you return the car as well, look closely over the final charges slip. Last car rental I had, I was billed $39 more than I should have. I went straight to the counter, the car rental agency, because the person who gave me the check-in slip said they couldn't do anything about it, went straight to the counter and got it straightened out at the counter. Once you leave the airport on your flight, usually you're past too late to get erroneous charges removed. Follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Our web address, clark.com. When you got a question for me, go clark.com slash ask jamie joins us on the clark howard show hello jamie hey clark jamie you got a question about your husband
2: i do i would love you to settle this for us
1: oh no another marital (laughs) war huh maybe i've called the wrong show (laughs) let's see relationship advice with clark howard okay let's see if i can help
2: okay um we we we've typically purchase the, the higher-end vehicles. Um, my husband likes, likes that, and um, we can afford it, and, um, but he stresses over putting high miles on it, and he stresses, you know, when I t- tend to drive too many miles, to say like 25,000 miles a year, he thinks, um, you know, that it's hurting the value and that maybe when the car uh, reaches 50,000 miles, he needs to purchase a warranty. And I don't know the solution to keep him from stressing and me on the road.
1: So the story is you do mega driving, because the average person drives somewhere between 11,000 and 15,000 miles a year. You're roughly double that. I guess so. And your miles, if you're driving that many, I guess a lot of them are highway miles?
2: Yes. um, I have a child at Chapel Hill and one in New York, and family in florida and we're in north carolina so yes highway miles
1: so highway miles don't put near the strain or stress on a car as urban stop and go so the car is younger than its odometer and you keep a car to what mile number typically well
2: uh we like to cars pretty often uh and every time we trade we think this is going to be the one we keep uh and and this one may actually be that one you know it's fine with me to keep it it's fine with me to trade it I, I don't i don't have a preference i just want something i can drive and you know all-wheel drive in the weather here with the snow and i'll pull the boat you know i just have certain things i want in a vehicle but uh well the, car, the,
1: the cars today are phenomenally reliable I think about, I've been on the air 28 years, and I used to get one call after another from people about their rights under state lemon laws. And I never get those calls anymore. I say never, just a couple of times a year where that used to be a couple of times a week. That's how much better cars are made now. So a car is really a baby Till about 150,000 miles on the odometer especially with most of your driving being highway miles I would not feel at all like as long as you're doing your oil changes and you're doing scheduled maintenance keeping the tires like they should be you can drive that vehicle for years and years and years even at 25,000 miles a year without worrying a bit and uh, I'm neutral on car warranties, but in your case, you don't even need to begin to think about buying a used vehicle warranty, because if you have enough money to be able to afford high-end cars, you don't need a warranty for the unexpected oops.
2: <laughs> I like that. So I should, I should just, we, we, neither one of us should stress about putting miles on the
1: Not car. at all. Do you do you do Just things like
2: the <laughs> well? Do you do things like
1: the oil changes is called for? Oh,
2: all the time. Yeah, if, mine you, has been,
1: if yeah, you're if you good about if you're conscientious about doing the maintenance, and you are doing mostly over the road miles, you got nothing to worry about really till the sixth year is over of ownership in your case. Six years on, hundred and fifty thousand miles on. In your case, that would be a time more to worry about it, but not till then. Christy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Christy. Hi, Clark. How are you? Wonderful, Christy. I hope I can be helpful. Well, I hope
3: so. Um, My husband and I are trying to get our credit card debt paid off that we racked up in our 20s, and now we're in our 30s making more money trying to get it paid down, and we keep getting... um, the mailers from other credit cards saying, "Oh, we can give you 18 months of zero percent financing on balance transfers." And as of right now, we between the two of us, we have about 11 credit cards that we're trying to. Well, I guess well, a couple of them are already paid off, but uh, that are that are still accounts we have. So we have 11 credit cards, and the ones we want to get paid down, we're wondering if we should balance transfer from these higher interest rate cards to these zero percent offers but we're concerned that that might hurt our credit to it, it'll pinch
1: it'll pinch your credit but it would likely be a good thing to do how much in total balance do you have outstanding on the 11 cards
3: about 18,000 and we're, we're at about 60 percent right now um so we have a little over i think 30 and available credit. And if they'll let you
1: about. do a if they'll let you do an 18 month balance transfer at 0% interest with 60% utilization, take that deal. Okay. Take it and then with the amount of debt you have, what's your combined income?
3: Uh, right now we're at about 120.
1: You should be able to pay that debt off at a pretty rapid clip. I mean, I That's I think you should hoping. You should be able to do that in the 18 months. You'll be carrying no interest. Through those eighteen months, and I would just set the goal that you write a check for that amount of money every month, so that you end up at zero after the eighteen months. Okay. Is there an inbound balance transfer fee? Do you pay two, three, or four percent for inbound I balance transfer?
3: They're showing a three uh, percent transfer fee.
1: So that's an effective upfront interest charge. But if you utilize the eighteen months very well, it'll be easily worth it. To pay the three percent upfront, okay. And do you think you have the discipline, the two of you, that you just send that amount of money every month?
3: We're we're trying to. We're uh, you know, we're we're budgeting. We're because you got enough income to do it. So.
1: you definitely have enough income to get it done. Okay. So I, I would wonder. I would take the offer as long as you can uh, be clear that every month you're going to write that check you said your total indebtedness was 18,000
3: well for credit cards i mean we have school loans
1: but 18 so 18 months eight just a thousand dollars a month bam you're done student loans how much of that's federal how much is private
3: um in federal we have i think 40 and then in private there's about uh 30
1: all right your big emphasis should be paying down the private pay minimums on the federal for now Here on the Clark Howard Show, my job to keep you from getting ripped off. There's all kinds of hysteria going on right now with fake pitches for investments that I got to make sure you are aware of. It's today's Clark-rageous moment.
4: Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark-rageous moment.
1: There are scare tactics ads, videos, and websites telling you that the way you invest is changing and that you need to go with these people's system right now. It's not only one people because I've had calls from so many listeners asking me about 26F plans what's a 26f plan just another way to try to con you into putting your money with somebody using intimidating tactics that they are there to protect you from the federal government the funny thing is as best i can tell from everything i've read all a 26f is is a mutual fund Mutual funds are not under threat, they continue to exist, they are less important than they were, because people have been moving very heavily to a cousin known as an index fund, I should say more like a sibling, an index fund, or to a cousin known as an ETF, exchange traded fund, but mutual funds are alive and well even though they're shrinking, but there's no government conspiracy that some shill is going to be able to protect you from with some fear-mongering video or junk on a website or ads full of lies. The people who are doing this pitching must be very effective because the number of calls I'm getting about 26 Fs. And I want you to know There's no magic to that number and letter. Investing remains a sound way for you to build financial security for your future, and nobody in Washington is conspiring in any way, shape, form, manner, or fashion working behind the scenes to keep you, to prevent you from being able to invest. It is
0: a big, fat lie. You know, when you're a kid, there are a lot of things that you think exist. Unicorns, dragons, mermaids, you name it. When you're a kid, it's real. But when you find out later that they don't, well, it's kind of disappointing. Of course, as you get older, you get over the disappointment. But when you're looking to buy a car, there's nothing worse than finding the one of your dreams online, and then you find out later it doesn't really exist. It's not true. That's why at TrueCar they show you real pricing on actual inventory. This isn't pricing offered to you by TrueCar. It's an actual VIN-based price from a TrueCar certified dealer in your area. Real prices. And these aren't just any dealers either. TrueCar certified dealers are a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency. They offer competitive prices and a faster, easier buying experience for you. It's a fact, TrueCar customers are more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with the TrueCar certified dealers. And, on average, they save over $3,000 off the MSRP. So, when you're ready to buy that dream car, visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states.
1: Glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our web address. you have a question for me, Clark.com slash ask, and as we move through 2017, I'm going to continue to address where we're likely headed, or where I think we should head, with healthcare care in the United States. It is nearly a fifth of our nation's overall output of goods and services. It is an outrageously large percent of our nation's wealth devoted to health care. It's far higher than most anywhere else on earth, including our trading partners and the other wealthy countries in the world that spend a tiny fraction of what we do and generally People have longer lifespans. Now, I had somebody upset with me recently saying lifestyle has more to do with that than medicine, where the shorter lifespans here don't know that may be true. But the reality is, we're paying a lot of money without a lot to show for it. So, as we look forward, how to provide a more efficient healthcare system, I believe so much that we need experimentation. I read an item in the Sun-Sentinel newspaper from South Florida about something that Florida is hoping to adopt and mainstream is something known as direct primary care. There are small numbers of people in the state of Florida who are in direct primary care, and what it is basically is you pay a monthly fee for the care of your primary care doctor. And when you go visit, there's either no charge or maybe a $10 visit charge. And whatever you need in that doctor visit, that's it. There's no insurance bill. There's no anything to worry about. You just pay a monthly premium. This is different than what I talked about from various times over the last few years, concierge doctors, which are where you pay a big annual fee having a doctor available 24 hours a day, you have the doctor's cell phone, no gatekeepers keeping you from the doctor, and that's a product generally for very wealthy people with an annual fee of 1500 to $5,000. This is very different. The idea of these plans is substantially less, but it doesn't include your hospitalization. But what Both are attacking, both the concierge thing and the Florida idea of direct primary care is the whole thing of fee-for-service, that the only way to make money as a doctor is to see far more people and uh, treat them, even if they don't need treating. Because you make money based on the codes that go into on a sheet to the insurance company and the more things you do, the more money you make, which is ridiculous, crazy, upside-down, backwards. Ultimately, part of the answer we're going to have for medical care is something people in California are very familiar with and scattered places around the country, Kaiser Permanente, where you pay a monthly fee, and that provides for your health care. Seeing a doctor, going to a specialist, tests you need, Um, hospitalizations whatever you have a visit charge depends on what plan you're on with them but it's typically 10 to 25 dollars for a visit you never have to worry about huge bills coming your way but the disadvantage is you have to go to their doctors and their facilities the advantage is you're not going to have a massive catastrophic blow to your personal finances and for them by being both the provider and basically the one taking on the risk the insurer their incentives are completely aligned to provide care at the lowest cost they can where typically the way medicine works now everybody in the business and it is a business wants to be able to bill as much as they can and then the insurer you are paying for it so florida i appreciate the experimentation as i've said before we need to have the freedom for 50 state experiments till we figure out the best ways to provide health care in the united states it may never be one size fits all paul is with us on the clark howard show hello paul Hey, Clark. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty
4: good, but I'll get over it.
1: (laughs) You have an identity theft question for me that's a great one.
4: Yes, I do. Uh, When I go to doctor's offices or hospitals, and recently a motel, they almost demand a copy of your driver's license. And I just don't feel comfortable doing that, and i've since found some statues in my home state that say it's illegal
1: So let me tell you what you know the, let me tell you where that started, and now it's become a big part of identity theft that 's happening, especially at doctors' offices, medical centers, hospitals, labs. So people were I know this is going to be crazy, but people were using other people's medical cards to get care. So someone who didn't have insurance would borrow the card of a friend or family member or they'd use a stolen card to get medical care as if they were you so that it would go under your insurance and get them the negotiated rates and the much lower out-of-pocket. And so it was to stamp out the medical Insurance fraud that the requirement for a picture ID came about. Mm -hmm. The problem is, as we've had again and again and again, there's been so much identity theft that's occurring because of the terribly lax security standards that hospitals, doctors, and now we're finding out health insurers, that the whole medical industry. Has been basically a laughing stock in security circles. And so you give over that driver's license and that information gets captured by a criminal with what else is in your medical record, they're off to the races.
4: That's what I felt like. And so I do you to have. Just in- show it to them yeah. and they won't accept it. They want a copy.
1: Yeah, they take it, they scan it into a machine. And that way, if there's ever a dispute where the insurer says, well, we don't believe you treated Paul, we believe it was an imposter. And they say, wait, wait, look at his digital image. We got, we got Paul's picture, we got the whole deal on him. So they're not caring about the consequences for you of what happens to you with identity theft. It's all about everybody trying to cover their rear ends to deal with the insurance fraud. Mm-hmm. So what I recommend, I use a different form of government-issued ID when I go to a doctor's office. I use my global entry card. I've because, got one. Do yeah. you have one of those?
4: And I've got a gun permit, too, which now has a picture on it.
1: So I use global entry. I never give a doctor's office my driver's license, because there's just too much information on that driver's license that could hurt me falling in the wrong hands The Global Entry Card, maybe your gun permit, has a whole lot less that puts you at risk.
4: That's a great idea. Um, Can I give another suggestion?
1: Sure. Never fill in the Social Security number on any medical form at any doctor's office, hospital, lab, um, uh, diagnostic facility, surgery center, on and on and on. Anything to do with medical The only reason they want your social security number is why? Yeah. Do you know why they want it?
5: No, I don't. The only reason they want
1: it is if you don't pay a portion or all of your bill, that it's much easier for them to turn you over to a collection agency if they have that. Yeah. So you have identified another big problem, which is the photo ID trying to solve a problem for them, now in turn causing a problem for you and me. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chris.
4: Hello, Clark. How are you?
1: Great, thank you. Your son is headed to Ireland.
4: Ireland, uh, and also I just uh, found out he's going to make a short stop in London, England, so uh, he's going to be in Ireland and, uh, and England.
1: Wow, sounds fun.
4: Yes, yes.
1: How can I help?
4: Well, um, I'm, I know that I've heard you talk about different uh, ways to get currency and to make sure you get the exchange currency once you're there, but I, I don't want to give him uh, access to my credit card, and I, I didn't know what's the best way to handle uh, having some sort of credit card associated with just you know maybe $500 so that he would have that to spend while he was over there.
1: So this is a case that calls for a debit card. Yes, for that's him. Thank him. And are you? Uh, there are sixty million people that I think that are USAA members. Do you happen to be a USAA member?
4: Yes, sir. I'm a I'm a veteran. Yes.
1: Oh man! Okay, it's like I won the lottery. You know, it was just I had a one in five chance, and there you were. So USAA has a youth. Is, he's a minor child.
4: Just 17.
1: Okay, so USAA has a youth checking account that you can open for free, and it comes attached with a debit card that he can use foreign currency free, foreign currency junk fee free, overseas. Awesome, awesome. So it's tied in with your USAA account. Do you have a USAA credit card or bank account yes,
4: i do i just don't use it very much but i do have one i just don't
1: use it so it's kind of like a companion to your account but the the money at risk is limited to the money you put in that account for while he's traveling overseas
4: i see and so when he gets over there he can just use it to make purchases uh and there there's no fee for using it overseas
1: exactly And with USAA, you have to establish what's known as a uh, travel alert that you do signing into your master USAA account. Okay. And you set that up, and you let him know where the travel will be and all that, and then he'll otherwise he'll be blocked from using it in a foreign country. I
4: see.
1: I see. And then if he ends up running through money quicker than you're happy with and you need to put more money in, you can do it almost instantly and then he'll have access to more money as he needs it
4: yeah that's not likely to happen because uh, he'll have to make do with what what's on there
1: so. okay so that would be the easiest way to get the money part done
4: that's awesome i appreciate your help
1: all right i hope he has a great trip and for other folks uh if you don't have the usaa card to play charles schwab offers an account for miners that's a real deal and has no monthly fees, and you can use the Charles Schwab debit card for ATM fee-free use outside the United States, and also as a purchasing card outside the United States, and there are absolutely no fees at all. Generally, you need to have a Charles Schwab account, and then set one up for your minor child, and ultimately the goal is they hope that your minor child will become an investor, and it will go way beyond just using their account for a special trip like this. Karen is with us. Hi, Karen. How are you today? Doing good. Karen, how can I serve you on the Clark Howard Show?
6: Well, I had um, just a question. We are considering putting in a pool this spring for the summertime, and we're trying to figure out if it makes sense to finance and if there's a better, a best way to finance a pool. Um, you know what the best
1: the best way to do that is so first with a pool the the thing i always worry about is how you pick the pool company how you pick the contractor because every spring and summer i get mm-hmm. one call after another after another from people who, who either are or feel they were ripped off by a pool installation company
6: well right now we haven't picked one yet we're just researching
1: be really different- thorough do as much backgrounding as you can. Um, okay. The pool companies, just because somebody has a clean record with the Better Business Bureau, if you call the Better Business Bureau, who knows, they may have been using a different name last year, and so this year they have a clean record with the Better Business Bureau. I mean, you want right. to talk to people who've had pools. People love to show off their pools. Usually someone who's on a referral sheet will be happy to let you come by and see the pool that they have installed. Be careful front-loading money to a pool contractor. And if you get financing through a pool installation company, usually it'll be a pretty high rate of interest. So if you have to finance a pool, Mm -hmm. usually a home equity line of credit is going to get you a lot cheaper money than the money you would get from the pool installation company even a uh, home equity loan where you get a fixed rate for five, 10, or 15 years will okay. tend to be a much lower rate than you'd get from the pool installation company.
6: I guess the only question about that is if you know if somebody were to come after us, you know, for whatever reason, if the contractor with, if something were contracted out, you know, then our home would be on the line right now we own it, so we just didn't want to put that in jeopardy.
1: Well, I mean, somebody doing work at your house, they have special lien rights anyway if you get into a dispute. Okay. So by having a home equity line of credit or a, a home equity loan, you don't create any more risk for yourself than any other way of financing that pool.
6: Okay. I guess that was my question because um, there's other ways to finance it, I guess, um, that are more expensive. Um, that are not home equity, that um, they're just you know they have different rates of um, you know interest rates that go along with
1: that. Yeah, or, and and you're if you own a home free and clear and you're looking at relatively small payments each month for a pool till you pay off a HELOC or a home equity loan, you're not mm-hmm. going to sacrifice your home not making those payments. Okay, so I wouldn't fret about that. Someone who owns your own home free and clear like you do. I'm not worried about you saying, oh, well, we just don't feel like making that payment. Right. <laughs> so, no, so, we're
6: definitely going to make it. But, yeah, you know, I mean.
1: Don't worry not. about that. I, I would done worry done. much more about the pool company itself.
6: Okay. Okay. Um, I guess that was my biggest question because that's going to be the thing that we have to determine before we get started is how we're going to pay for
1: it. So. And one thing about a pool, do a pool because it's going to be fun for you. Yeah. Don't do a pool and think that it's a quote unquote investment.
6: No, we've already, we already know that.
1: (laughs) Pools are for fun and having a great
0: time, not for your wallet having a great time. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com save. That's quickenloans.com S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030
1: i'm so glad you're with us on the clark howard show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make you want bargains go to clarkdeals.com you want to know everything possible for your wallet Well, that's probably an oversell but it's a great website clark.com coming up in a half hour we are on the verge of of a great breakthrough with vision. If you're like me, you're four eyes, you wear glasses. Wait till you hear what scientists in Utah have been working on. I want to talk about something that we've been posting on Clark.com, and we've been posting different stories by different Clark.com writers about ways for you to reduce expenses in your household. The example, one of them we have was written by our writer, Mike, about how to make liquid soap from leftover bar soap. And another was written by Katie about all the great cleaning products for your body or your house that are available at the dollar store. And you probably have heard me say that I routinely buy household cleaning products at the dollar store. They're a fraction of the cost. If one doesn't work well, I don't buy it again. If it works well, I've found a real bargain. And then there are people now that are making their own. Making their own products from scratch. Either because they're worried about the chemicals that may be in store-bought products both for cleaning themselves and cleaning their homes, or they just want to save money. So Procter & Gamble, which is one of the biggest companies in household products, they own Tide, among other things. They say that one out of every six households have now tried to make their own laundry detergent. How about that? One in six. They told the Wall Street Journal that 1% of... Homeowners are now doing their laundry 100% of the time with homemade laundry detergent. So one out of every hundred people, that's all they do is do their own laundry detergent. And there are websites now that are available that walk you through how to make various products on your own. One person in the Wall Street Journal story was able to calculate that she saves roughly $1,000 a year making her own cleaning products versus buying them at the store. I would never have the patience or interest in doing what she's doing to save a grand a year. But I can tell you, you will save a lot of money, maybe not the full grand, but you'll save a lot if you do start trying the cleaning products from the dollar store and if you go to a place like dollar tree look how much of the square footage of dollar tree they're now devoting to household cleaning products and personal cleaning products because the marketplace is speaking people are happy not everybody obviously but people in larger and larger numbers are happy with off-off brands, that you can do household chores and other things at the price of $1. And by the way, you want to see some of the stuff about how you can save money in your own home or buying products on the cheap, check out what we got at Clark.com. Ellen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ellen. How are you doing? Fine, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Certainly. You have a question for me about car rental company junk fees.
7: Yes. Um, I've been doing some research on this. We recently rented a car, and um, I wanted to be on the um, the contract, and they were going to charge, um, I don't know if I can say the amount online, they were going to charge a fee.
1: How much um, is it a day?
7: Yeah, it, was, um, it was $10 a day.
1: Ten dollars a day yeah. Yeah. to have an and additional driver on a contract is highway robbery.
7: Well, we thought so, and um, so I, I've been trying to do some research on this, and I cannot get a definite answer from either you know, the car companies or just advice online. So I figured I would I would go to the authority.
1: All, <laughs> all it is is you. a junk fee. There is no right. additional cost to the car rental agency having. Two people drive a rental car versus one person drive a rental car. In fact, I've always alleged that it's safer for two people to share the driving, particularly if you're going to do a sightseeing trip where there'll be multiple hours of driving, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that it's safer for there to be two drivers rather than one so there's a relief driver. And it's just a made-up. it's just like hey how can we get more money out of people so what if we charged extra if somebody else wanted to drive great and that use that started off as like two dollars a day and it's gone up and up and up and now you're telling me the company you were renting from is 10 Mm -hmm. which is insane because Mm -hmm. the cost should be zero
7: Right. But we, we did protest and in fact I think our, our um auto insurance policy does does cover me and they said well they could they wouldn't let us do this unless we, we put you know we paid the extra.
1: That's right. Because mm-hmm. the car rental companies, it is it is their right to impose an optional rip off fee.
7: Okay, it is their right. Then. It okay, is their right. Let me give you another
1: example. Protest. Let's say parents with a new baby for whatever reason, forget when they fly somewhere. Oops, we have to bring a car seat for our baby. And they then are forced to pay a daily fee to the car rental company. Generally, by the fifth day, you've paid enough renting the car seat that you could have gone out and bought one at Target or Walmart and had another car seat. That you just take back with you. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. just a profit center for the car rental agencies. Now there are ways around it. You want to hear okay. some of the ways? Yeah,
7: sure, I, I sure. Because I was thinking there had to be some some marital privilege in this.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, there there are privileges that may be extended to you through various of the car rental loyalty programs. Mm-hmm. That one of the benefits you sometimes will find is that. Spouses drive free as a okay. benefit of being in the loyalty program. Okay. And so it's always, there's generally no cost with the lowest level of the car rental company's loyalty programs. Mm-hmm. So before you rent, you just join those. There may be an option through, as an example, AAA, where if you rent through a AAA partner rental company, you may have a waiver of the second driver fee
7: okay and this is just for joining their their um what is it the priority club or whatever whatever they're called
1: yes for each program and and it will not always be true that it will lead to a waiver that varies by program Mm
7: -hmm. okay
1: um i'm in um i'm in gosh i travel all the time so i'm generally in a higher tier in those loyalty programs Mm -hmm. and i've never had to pay that fee for my wife
7: Okay. when she's but an yeah.
1: additional driver. That's always been something we've been able to waive out of.
7: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm almost positive that our insurance company would cover Doesn't matter. And I wouldn't need to, that doesn't, matter, doesn't matter. So you're saying it doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter because, okay.
1: again, the additional driver fee is just a junk fee. It has okay. no purpose other than coming up with additional money for the car rental agency. And so you're look, trying to look at it logically, this is not a logic thing. This is just about emptying your wallet, and that's why you have to be strategic about how you get around it. Doug is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Doug?
4: Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. calling to see there are some uh, online groups that will let you become a travel agent for a certain amount every month, or would it be better for someone to decide to go to school to become
1: a travel agent? If it's something you're serious about doing and being, you need to go to school. I went to school, and back when I was a travel agent, the airlines ran their own school I went to. And today, they're they're independent travel schools. But even when I finished my schooling, I felt like I was a complete beginner because there's so much to learn. There are all these programs on the web where you can pay a fee and they say that you're now a travel agent and that you're commissioned on whatever travel you refer, book, and that you're supposedly going to be eligible for special industry rates, blah, blah, blah. And the burnout on those programs is unreal because people find pretty quickly that there's more work to it and more to know than they realized. So if it's something you're serious about, I would definitely say go to school. Okay. And then affiliate and, yourself with a real traditional agency, not one of these web-based things.
4: Well, thank you. Uh, i uh, need to call you over some of the other advice people out there.
1: Uh, well, Well, you're kind to say that, although other people may have different advice on that. But having worked in that business, I'll tell you... If you really want to book travel, do it in the right order. Judy joins us on The Clark Howard Show. Hi, Judy. Hello. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Judy. You see all the ads on TV for free credit report here, free credit report there, free credit report everywhere, and they all don't seem to be telling the truth, do they? They don't seem to be telling the truth. I think
8: is in quotes, you know?
1: Yeah, so... How about is that what you're really after is report or score? actually
8: both the score would be fine to start with and I think we're able to get that from each of the major credit reporting agencies once a year. I'm just not quite sure how to do it. okay and very
1: actually, easy. you ready, ready to find take the
8: some notes I we'd like for it to be I'd like the report to see what happened.
1: All right you ready I'm going give ready. you I'm going to give you the drill to save money. okay first thing there is a federal web a federally sanctioned website called annualcreditreport.com it is the only official site to get your legally provided one free copy of each credit report each year annualcreditreport.com you go there the credit bureaus are allowed to try to sell you stuff but you just say no to all that and you get your reports a hundred percent the real reports a hundred percent free Perfect. Please Second, do what we needed. for your score, if you will look at your credit card statements, do you have credit cards right now?
5: We have one credit card.
1: All right, okay. so the math is, is probably not going to be in your favor, but more and more credit cards now on your statement have a box where they show you your credit score every month for free. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to see... The equivalent of your score whenever you want for free. There's a website called creditkarma.com. Credit, K A R M A, creditkarma.com, where you can see it's a representation, not your exact score, but it gives you a pretty good idea for absolutely nothing whenever you wish. So, with at least the annual credit report and the credit karma, you should be in good shape. Welcome back to the Clark Howard Show. It's time for our segment, Survey Says. This is where we look at some of the latest surveys and studies so that I can give you some quick fun facts for your wallet or your life. Okay, so listen to this survey done by Voya Financial. They surveyed more than a thousand people. Roughly 40% of people would rather be stuck sitting in one of those hard plastic chairs at the DMV than looking at their retirement plan. Almost nobody has actually looked at their retirement plan, whether it's 401k, Roth IRA, regular IRA, in the last year. Don't even have any idea what's going on with the plan and what fund choices now are available, what fees you're paying, anything like that. Just do that, please. Just go look. So... Experian, once a year, does something called the State of Credit Report. It's a cute name. And they have where people are best with how they handle credit and where they're worst. Absolutely best in the country, people in two states, Minnesota and Wisconsin. And in addition to those two states, a couple of cities in South Dakota and North Dakota made the list. For whatever reason, Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, and South Dakota – have people that handle credit better than people do anywhere else now let's talk about where people in america handle credit the worst mississippi georgia texas louisiana all across the deep south as to why who knows regardless of where things are where you live how things are it's up to you to do a better job handling your credit and remember there's two key factors with your credit one is paying every bill on time every month and two use very little of your available credit if you do those two things you're going to have a good credit score and now moving from your physical fitness to your physical fitness survey says what should you eat and what should you not eat at the mall food court. I'm mallophobic, so I'm not really familiar with these mall food courts. I understand they're places in a mall where a bunch of restaurants co locate, as they call it. And there are some choices there that aren't so great. And then there are some that are okay. And so they take some of the chains in this Consumer Report survey and tell you what to pick and what to skip. And what's so interesting is the same places have things that are not good for you at all, to things that are just fine or in between. But here's one I wanted to point out in particular. Au Bon Pain, I think I said that right, they have a chicken Caesar Asiago salad. You can make that salad good for you or make it terrible for you. What's the difference? The entire difference comes down to your choice of salad dressing. If you get it with a balsamic vinaigrette, it's a very healthy choice. You get it with the Caesar dressing? Oh boy, you don't want to know. If you want to learn more about these fun facts, go to the on-demand section of Clark.com
0: and click on show notes. Okay, you want to keep your favorite podcasts like this one free to download, right? Well, then all you have to do is complete a short anonymous survey, which takes less than five minutes. Just go to podcastone.com slash my survey to answer the questions. You can also get there by clicking the banner at podcastone.com. If you've done this in the past, we'd like to thank you, but we do need you to do it again because we want to make sure we're giving you what you want. That's podcastone.com slash survey, or click the banner at podcast1.com. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast.
1: Great having you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. On the web, clark.com. When you have a question for me, clark.com slash ask. (laughs) I went to a doctor last year who had three pair of eyeglasses around his neck. Three! And it's because he said he never got comfortable with bifocals. And he needed all three for different things. And it looks crazy to see somebody with three pair. Now, it's not as flaky when you're like our producer, Kim, who you always have two pair of glasses with you. Is that right?
6: Yeah, I never got used to the progressive lens thing either.
1: Well, you know, it's cheaper to do what you do because if you buy prescription glasses and you buy two pair at one of the discount sites, that's a lot cheaper than one pair with progressive lenses. So you see, you're saving money, Kim.
0: Oh, yeah, I knew that.
1: But that is going to be so old school. If a technology breakthrough that researchers have come up with comes into the marketplace, I hope, like yesterday. So I read this on the website Watch that some scientists in Utah have come up with something that is unbelievably great. These eyeglasses automatically sense where you're looking, far away, up close, or in between, and they automatically change to fit the distance you're looking at. There's an infrared meter that's built into the frame and it's able to tell where you're looking, the distance you're looking away, and gives you a perfect prescription for that task instantly. You then put the piece of paper down, you look off in the distance. Again, it changes In a tiny fraction of a second, the protocols, uh, the prototypes done and successful, now they're coming up with more traditional, decent-looking, hopefully, consumer versions. They run on a rechargeable battery. So I guess you better make sure you have the battery fully charged when you go out for the day but I want you to think about what a difference that's going to make in so many people's lives, particularly as you reach a point where you start to have the, the thing reading things up close where you used to be able to do that without any vision assistance, now you need it, and then maybe you need a uh, different purpose for glasses to be able to drive or whatever. And I'm so amazed and fascinated by what these scientists came up with but really you think about it and why not think how many other things in our lives electronics because of miniaturization and affordability are changing things for us and now smart eyeglasses to go with your smartphone this is a winner margaret's with us on the clark howard show hi margaret Clark how are you doing I'm doing great thank you Margaret and you are a saver
8: yes sir I'm trying to be
1: all right tell me how I can help
8: okay well my husband and I've had kind of a difference of opinion on what we should do about an emergency fund well whatever think you I'm...
1: think is right Margaret
8: well okay so <laughs> I'm a very conservative saver and I've you know, thought maybe a traditional savings account, and then he wants to put it in. We're a member of USAA, and he was looking up some of their money market investment accounts. I just get nervous about losing any of an emergency fund, and I've researched online, and everybody has a different opinion on how many months you need and where it needs to be, and I just don't know what to do.
1: Right, so the reality is the fact that you're arguing about where money should go that you save means that you've already won 90% of the battle as a couple. (laughs) So you're talking now only tactics. The strategy is right. You want to save money so that you are prepared when the inevitable rainy day comes. So as far as how many months, everything you read will give a different answer with very convincing reasons why it should be 90 days or it should be six months or why it should be eight months or whatever and your head starts to spin because everybody uses a different logic on how much you need to put aside how much do you have put aside right now as a couple
8: well we have um a savings account that has almost 10 in it and then we want to start putting about 300 a month in something
1: okay so my preference is that you put your rainy day money in a Roth IRA. Okay, well,
8: what if your income, what if we file jointly, and I heard that we make too much to put into a Roth.
1: If you make too much to put in a Roth, we'll skip that for you, because I could start getting into the complicated procedure where you can do something called a backdoor Roth, but I'll leave that for another day for a different conversation. So a rainy day account, the purpose of it is to have access to money when something bad happens. So my advice is that being as careful and conservative as you are, when you have enough that would equal ninety days of living expenses, mm-hmm. the first amount of money that hits that ninety days, do you have a sense how much that would be?
8: Um, yes, sir, I do, around about
1: what would you guess? Because you have ten um, now.
8: Well, well, if we wanted to go, like I was thinking, that we needed between fifteen and twenty in there.
1: Okay, that so let's kind of all right. Well then let's keep it simple with these round numbers. When you hit fifteen grand, that first fifteen grand should be in plain simple savings, where it's available to you on a moment's notice. But if you okay. want to go past the the fifteen, anything past that your husband's idea is better you should go further out on the risk ladder okay because even if you have an emergency the odds that you would need all that money all at once is so close to zero when you built up a reserve of money that as long as you have several months of money available to you on a moment's notice you're fine and then the other money beyond that you take more risk with
8: Okay. All right. Well, that's that's good. Well, I appreciate it. I love your show so much.
1: Thank you very much. So in this case, did I say you were right or he was right?
8: I, I think he said we were both right. I'm going to go with that.
1: That because... is exactly what I said. <laughs> I am ready to run for office because I made you both happy. Eric's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Eric. How are you?
5: Good, Clark. How are you?
1: great you have a question for me about some real estate you have is that right yeah okay so what i was thinking
5: is is i own two homes i own my personal residence and i own a rental property that i bought back in 09 which i bought when the market was in the low here you're brilliant yeah and and actually my personal residence i bought in 2010 so both houses i bought in the low Um, Wow. so my question was was I was doing the math, and I could pay off our personal residence if I sold the rental and took the money from it and it put it down on my personal residence. I could pay it off in about four and a half years. However, if I don't do that, I could pay it off in about ten years. So I wanted to know if you think it would be wise to do that, and then, I'd, and then I'd have no debt, and I'd own my personal residence free and clear.
1: Well, buying in 2010, I'm guessing you have an extremely low mortgage interest rate on your principal home
5: yeah i have a three and a half percent and my rental is at 4.125 and i did a conventional 20 percent down on both
1: so in that case with interest rates so low and especially with your principal residence and the threes there is no rush for you to pay off that mortgage the time will come where that's going to be the cheapest money that I mean, it's going to be a war story you'll be able to tell decades down the road about having a 3.5% mortgage. So there's no urgency to sell that rental property to be mortgage debt-free when your interest rate, your carry on it, is so unbelievably low. Second thing would be a whole different way to look at it. Do you mind being a landlord?
5: No, I don't. I I, I don't, and I've had good tenants so far, and I've had good luck with the house so far.
1: And are you are you clear, cash flow positive on the rental?
5: Yeah, I clear about. Uh, let me do the math really quick. I clear about three hundred and eighty-one dollars a month. That's that's uh, including uh, taxes and insurance, but it doesn't include repairs or anything else.
1: That sounds to me like a no brainer to keep that rental property. You have very low cost. four and an eighth percent fantastic on a rental property your tenants pay off that mortgage for you over time you're steadily getting rich from having that property cash flow positive from the get-go in a rental property is extraordinary and as long as you don't mind being a landlord keep things going exactly as they are the change comes the shift comes in your life eric if you reach a point that you despise being a landlord And that doesn't sound where your head's at at all now, but if that comes later, that would be the reason to bail. Otherwise, keep doing what you're doing, and your timing was impeccable. Benjamin's with us. Benjamin, I'd like to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. How are you doing, Benjamin?
9: I'm doing great, Clark. Just a little bit nervous. First time on the radio.
1: Don't be nervous. We're having fun together here. How can I serve you, Benjamin? Benjamin?
9: Well, um, I'm 19 years old. Um, I'm I'm, in, I'm at a community college, and uh, I'm working part time at a major real a major, rela- uh, a, major um, a major company in the United States. And I was th- I'm thinking about going into the military, um, and I just wanted to, uh, to to get your take on that. I've, I've talked to a lot of people about it. I've been doing a lot of research, and uh, I, I know it varies by corps. Do you have any uh, any particular corps you like over another? I know you've served before. I think in the Navy.
1: No, my brother was a naval officer, my other brother was in the uh, National Guard, actually in the Air Guard, and I'm in the State Guard. Oh, okay. And my dad, uh, my deceased father, was an Army officer. So we're covering a lot of the branches of the service just in my family. And I come from a family with a, a long, proud military tradition, and one that it is something that we just believe at our core in our family you do so i'm not a it's not a fair question for me for you because i love that patriotic instinct in you that you want to serve our country and that's fantastic you're you're in school right now what are you studying at community college
9: um, well, uh, I I started on community college and I, and I wanted to get an associates in arts, but I changed my mind after listening to your show, and I and I think that I want to go and get a degree in finance. Um, but but so but the degree at my at my community college they don't have a degree in finance, so I'm doing a two year degree in business management, and then uh, I'm gonna hopefully transfer to a major university and uh, get a degree in finance.
1: Well, there's two ways to do this, okay? If you stay and finish in school and you'll be done in your early 20s, you then would be in a position to go into whatever branch of the service felt right to you as an officer. You know, you go through officer candidate school, you have the bachelor's degree, and you'd have a big leg up. My experience is that although there are people who enlist in the military who eventually do get a degree, more often than not, people who go in without an undergraduate degree never finish school and so if if you are enjoying school and you stay on that path it might be a better time when you finish your degree you'll have some work experience and one of the neat things with the military is if you go in with a bachelor's degree particularly if you go on an officer track the military will tend to send you on to school to get a master's degree while you're in the service and so it oh. puts you on a whole different trajectory in terms of what happens to you while you're in the service and what happens to you the rest of your life.
9: Uh, I see what you're saying. And are there are there any, If let's say I got a degree like in journalism or, or something else other than finance, do, are they picky on what degree you come in with or do they just want, want you to have some sort of a degree?
1: It completely depends on the needs of the, of the recruit. You know, the recruiters are told what they really need at a particular time,
9: and uh, one last question for you: um, I haven't read much on this, but I, I noticed a lot of uh, a lot of younger guys who go into the military, they immediately get married. It, do you know any? Do you know if there's any benefit to that, or <laughs> what? <why> <done>? Should <laughs> I be rushing for a bride?
1: <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. It is it is uh, common. A lot of young recruits get married at a very very young age. And that has benefits, and there are also uh, hiccups with that. I think I'm going to leave that alone for now. You know, you got a question for me. You can post it to an Ask Clark on Clark.com, and then we take them right here on the air. And, Joel, who's the first Ask Clark you got? Clark, this is from Carmela. She says, I live in a very rural area with little employment opportunities. How can an authentic work-from-home job be found? There are more authentic, work at home opportunities and there have been in years and years I do want you to know they don't pay a lot of money we have worked diligently over the years this became a very common question during the depths of the financial crisis and the following great recession so we put a lot of effort into putting a guide together of legitimate work at home that are organizations that we to the best of our knowledge are playing things straight up and honest the pay you'll generally receive is somewhere 8 to $12 an hour. Not big money, but you're usually able to work at your own schedule and supplement income, or in your case, have income that comes from the work at home. And so go look at ClarkHoward.com. Go to our work at home guide. When you go there, ignore the ads around it and then read our actual guide. Clark Ann says, I'm retired. I have a sum of around $50,000 that I don't need to rely on to meet my monthly expenses. I want to leave some to my heirs. What's the best option for a decent return on this investment? If you have money that you think you'll never, ever need, and you're really confident of that, I would say give the money away year by year while you're living and benefit people who could really use the money while you're still around. you got to be really comfortable and confident, though. But you'll never need the money. You're allowed to give 14000 up to that each year to any other person completely tax-free. And then they get to smile when they get the money while you're living.
0: Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at PodcastOne.com. That's PodcastONE.com. Hey, it's Jordan Harbinger. For the last 10 years, I've successfully helped people build their self-confidence with my Art of Charm podcast. And now, along with Art of Charm, I'm hosting a new show. It's Podcast One's latest program, The Forbes List. On the show, we talk to the Forbes editors that curate their famous and respected lists, like self made richest people, billionaires, and highest paid athletes. We'll get behind the scenes insight and information that doesn't make the print cut. It launches this week on February 16th, so please subscribe on iTunes to the Forbes list and don't forget to rate us, review, and share.
2: What we're learning about the Manchester Bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber.
0: The actual family that had been there, I'd I'd never really come across them in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, it never seems to speak back to you. It was just like kept themselves to themselves. And that was about it.
2: The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.